Hello, hello, fishbowl chatters. Today we're going to be listening to Klaus the Fish in its podcast in an attempt to take over the world. Is it going to succeed? Hopefully not, but let's find out. Let's start my show. Okay, big night, big night, got the focus. Ha ba 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 ba, ha la 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 la. Just about. Aha, here we go. Jawohl. Also, hallo und willkommen. That means welcome. All you people who don't speak German, welcome to Fishbowl Chats, my very own special, incredibly popular, exploding and trending right now web chat show featuring me, America's favorite German fish, or favorite German anything these days, Klaus from American Dead. I will attempt to answer for you questions that have been posted on the internets through social media. So here I am speaking and communicating with you directly. Is that not fabulhaft? Is that not ausgezeichnet? Is that not marvelous? I think it is. In any case, Roger, why are you looking at me like that? Stop looking at me like that. You're making me nervous. This is my web show. It's not yours. I can feel you staring at me. Stop staring at me, Roger. In any case, here we go. Now I, Klaus, America's favorite German fish, am going to answer questions posed by you. Yes, finally. Let's do it. Jetzt geht es aber los. That means here we go in Germany. See, we're learning a language together. Isn't that exciting? <clears throat> so, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, say all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is a young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, of uh, Argentina and so on, so we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I would know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young noble leaders of the world. That's true in Argentina as well. There's something going on right now called the Great Reset. Mr. Klaus Schwab, remember him, he was the author and architect of Davos. The idea is if you get Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and a lot of professors and Silicon Valley, Wall Street, you bring them all to Davos and they can plan out what the world should be like. If you read his Great Reset, he wants particular governments to surrender sovereignty to an international body. The first thing he wants to do is make sure that no one country gives tax incentives to a corporation like Ireland does, so that corporations have nowhere to go except to their body of high tax countries, redistributions. He wants corporate boards to reflect diversity and their membership should be appointed on the color of their skin rather than their ability to bring a profit to their shareholders. He wants to make sure that we phase out fossil fuels on a schedule that would be turned by an international body. And he has enormous support within the United States. One thing we should remember is the Democratic Party is no longer the party of the middle class. If you look at the top 20 zip codes in the United States, 17 by income, 17 voted Democratic of the 20. If you look at congressional districts by wealth, the top 20 all voted Democratic. The Republican Party has evolved into a upper and middle class party. The Democratic Party is the very, very hyper rich and the subsidized poor. We should, we should remember that because a lot of what we've been talking about are the efforts of very wealthy people in Wall Street, Silicon Valley, professional sports, Hollywood, the corporate boardroom, 
the military to virtue signal their superiority because they feel guilty that they either don't feel comfortable with the poor or they don't want them. Thank you, Angelic and Amman for this uh, musical opening of the meeting. Your Royal Highnesses, Excellencies, distinguished heads of state and government, Excellencies, dear partners and friends of the World Economic Forum, a very cordial welcome to the 2023 annual meeting. We are coming together under the motto, Cooperation in a Fragmented World. At the beginning of this year, we are confronted with unprecedented and multiple challenges. First, our global economy is undergoing deep transformation. The energy transition, the consequences of COVID, the reshaping of supply chains are all serving as catalytic forces for the economic transformation. And the hotspots of this geo-economic remodeling are high inflation, increasing interest rates, and growing national debt. This is particularly hurting low- and middle-income groups. It is exacerbating societal fragmentation. Second, the geopolitical system is also undergoing deep systemic transformation. Internationally, we are moving to what some people would call a messy patchwork of powers. There are superpowers, emerging powers, middle powers, regional powers, oak states, and also large corporate and social media powers, all competing increasingly for power and influence. As a result, the trend is again moving towards increased fragmentation and confrontation. Thirdly, our generation has reached a turning point, confronted by truly existential problems, climate change, exploitation of nature, nuclear, possible incidents, or even worse, extreme poverty and viruses. They all can lead to an extinction of large parts of our global population. And we have seen how much dealing with those risks, such as COVID or global warming, have again fragmented populations. And finally, the fourth industrial revolution offers us tremendous opportunities. But at the same time, technologies as computing, quantum computing, blockchain, genetics, and so on, they also could create deep societal fragmentation. We have the ability to collaboratively build a more peaceful, resilient, inclusive, and sustainable world. But to do so, we need to overcome the most critical fragmentation. And the most critical fragmentation is between those who take a constructive attitude and those who are just bystanders, observers, and even go into the negative, critical, and confrontational attitude. But the spirit of Davos is positive, is constructive. It means investing into a greener and therefore more sustainable economy, investing into a more cohesive society by providing everyone with the appropriate skills and opportunities, investing into the hard and soft infrastructure that modern societies require. And here in Davos, it means despite all those challenges, it means particularly investing in the spirit and the practice of solving problems through mutual respect and cooperation. We believe that we can do it, that through collective responsibility, innovation, human goodwill, and ingenuity, we have the capacity to turn the challenges into opportunities. What is the United Nations going to do? And the answer is they can't do anything. In the ancient world, 
uh, Socrates, of all people, said that he was not a citizen of Athens alone. He was a citizen of the world. Our term cosmopolitan comes from that concept, that he had uh, affinities with all the city-states and indeed with all the people in the world. In a very cynical fashion, when Alexander the Great, in the latter 4th century BC, at the demise of the city-state, went into Asia Minor and then on to conquer the Persian Empire, he needed a propaganda talking point, and one of it was he was going to usher in what he called the Brotherhood of man, a new ecumenical idea that whether you were Persian or Greek, you were a human. It sounds wonderful, but the idea was that enlightened rulers from the Hellenic world would spread their superior civilization all over the world, and it didn't last very well. In Roman times, Romans being far more practical, they didn't talk about globalization as much as reified it. They made it concrete. But immediately, there were voices within Rome that said the further a sovereign nation expands and globalizes, the more difficult it is to maintain the solidarity of the people, the purity of the original founding concepts, the more we think we were making people into Romans, the more they think they are making us into other peoples other than Romans. One of the problems that the globalists or cosmopolitans learned very early in the 20th century during the progressive movement was when you surrender sovereignty to these international bodies, then who is the police? Who polices the police? So the League of Nations, which was envisioned under Woodrow Wilson's Versailles agenda, for a very brief time seemed to be uh, successful in adjudicating international disputes of trade or jurisdiction or borders until Adolf Hitler or the Japanese militarist or Joseph Stalin said, I don't need to listen to you. And so World War II doomed the first incarnation of a united group of nations, the League of Nations. After World War II, the same suspicious idea resurfaced with the United Nations. But this time we were going to have a security council and they were going to be the world's top powers, the strongest, the most successful. And then they could be the enforcer. But the problem, of course, was that very early on, the Soviet Union was not uh, the solution to the problem, but it was the problem itself. Because there's always going to be some country who's powerful by breaking the rules and going beyond its own prerogative. In other words, an anti-democratic China that has currently a million and a half people in camps, and yet they're on the United Nations, and they're a citizen of the world, and if the United Nations would decide that the Chinese, contrary to the UN Charter, are putting people in concentration camps, or they're harvesting organs from people deemed not necessary, or they're forcing people to have abortions that uh, don't fit their idea of family planning, or they're bullying their neighbors, or they illegally created a base in the Spratly Islands, what is the United Nations going to do? And the answer is they can't do anything. In 2020, we saw an international pandemic, and our United Nations Charter Medical Organization, the World Health Organization, warned us from the very beginning, do not issue a travel ban against China. And then we learned that the World Health Organization was essentially parroting or mimicking what China wanted. And why did they do that? Because of Chinese money and Chinese pressure. This is not an aberration. It's inherent in the idea of global governance, that there's always going to be strong powers who have agendas that are not global in scope, but they're national and sovereign. But if all the other countries in the world surrender their sovereignty and one powerful nation doesn't, then they have to come up with a mechanism of collective defense. And so far in the history of man, that's never worked. Who said that no one's going to be able to take over the world, at least it hasn't been successful so far, given the world's history and all their attempts. And that's what exactly what happened in what was said in the Bible about the Tower of Babel, where God tore that down and dispersed all the people throughout the world to uh, give them their own nation and their own lands. But the elites of that day, Nimrod, wanted to form one world, one language, one people, and build this tower to the sky to reach God. Even in the Bible, it says, God, they, whatever they have their mind to do, uh, nothing can stop them. So God had to intervene then to take down the Tower of Babel and disperse all the people to have their own tongue, their own language, their own lands, so they would not be able to form as one people as what was attempted. We're always repeating the same history over and over, and it has already happened in the past, as Victor Hansen pointed out, that trying to attempt to take over the world has always failed. However, in the Bible, the book of Revelation does say that this peace is going to come together together 
to rule the world as one people once again, where all the people are going to have to take a mark and worship this beast. So that is the attempt that's uh, clearly been shown in the COVID response. The New World Order has got initiated and fast-tracked, and all the global policies have come down. Klaus and his minions have been out there telling the world what their plans were. And Noah Harari has been kind of acting like their false prophet to give us you know, what the predictions are and how humanity is going to be moving forward as a digital age where technology is going to be merging with biology. That's their plans to kind of take over the world through technology and merging with the AI. I think eventually all of this will take place. It may not be right now because they rushed it. They wanted to bring this about. They took the opportunity with COVID, that narrow window, as King Charles had said, and they tried to implement everything and make it very harsh, even though the Satan was going to come in as the light figure, as if he's Christ himself. So he would be coming in to perform miracles and give all the, the things that people desire and peace to the world. But yet all the stuff that's happening, it's against the people wanting to destroy them, wanting to destroy their livelihood, even their uh, DNA, their very existence that the elites have come up with trying to depopulate the world in however they can. I mean, they've already manifested their intentions with trying to reduce the population to 90% to what it is today. Their plans are always ongoing. So this is the book of James, chapter 4, King James Version. James 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So the point on verse 7, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's the whole point of whatever is going on with all these evildoers, that they're coming in as a devil. And it was our job as humanity to resist it and say, no, we will not comply with any of this darkness that they keep doing. And the fact that people aren't doing that, they're complying, 
as citizens and then also taking the bribes and the money that's given to those who are in power and put in place of authority, they're all wicked. They're turning away from God and into going along with Satan's plans. So they're not resisting the devil. But you, my brothers and sisters, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. So whatever's going on with whatever they're trying to take over the whole world, they're ultimately not going to succeed. They may for a few years where they can assign, you know, the Satan can come into power to the fullest extent, the history, the way God designed it. He's going to be given authority for some time, about three and a half years, to do whatever he wants under his own authority and power. But God has already defeated Satan. Jesus has already took away and triumphed over death and Satan, where when he returns, he's returning for us and renewing the whole world and the whole universe back to the state it was once before sin entered the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. We should rejoice and be grateful that God has given a way out, away from Klaus Schwab of the world, Noah Harari's, Biden's, and all the evil doers that have been planning and scheming to work against humanity and, and ultimately and they don't really it's not necessarily that they're working against people they're all just making war against god himself they're all preparing so every corporation that exists today has been working from beginning of time till now and will be to build weapons to build technology not to go against people but to make war against god himself they are so afraid of what the end of day when God returns is going to look like for them that they are this entire race of history of humanity is really just developing weapons to fight with God. That's all it ever has been. So even though we kind of do our own thing in between, you know, have memories with whatever God places us in our lives and the things that he blesses us with, but the bigger picture is from Adam and Eve till when God returns. All of humanity has been working. All of their efforts was to build weapons to fight with God when he returns. That's all it's been. So everything that you've done in your entire life has been part of that. And you just get rewarded with the money that you earn to go buy things that make you happy. But in the bigger picture, every human on earth has been part of developing weapons and hating God so much they all worked with Satan to ultimately try to kill God. Thank God that Satan is the one that's going to be thrown into the lake of fire and ultimately be forgotten because he's going to be erased from all of future memory. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.